when you reach about 13, some, some boys' voices break down. And if you're born lucky, he was nothing. And what happened was, that mother kept singing on to the record in his bedroom. And his voice was broken. And it just sounded a little bit of a And uh, that's when it started. And he just started singing for a good point. So it's then not run a voice break back not together. I'm going to have a job. The story so far Previously, Tears for Fears, whoever they are, had a huge success with the Shout single in 1984. God, you're old. And in 1985, released the LP. What's an LP? Songs from the Big Chair. Silly name for an LP. What's an LP? We had side one in the last show, and now it's time for side two. Why does it have sides? Dad, now can I go watch Breaking Bad? Yeah, okay. What's an LP? Side 2. Next up, oh that's very loud, sorry. <clears throat> Next up, track 5 or side 2 track 1. I believe is virtually all Roland. Without a shirt on. <laughs> As in the video. What a dumb idea. Spoken! <laughs> yeah, it's very personal and it was putting again into a song a lot of the things which I deeply believed that come out in the hurting. I was going to have yet another crack at it. Um, and I was very influenced by the vulnerability of Robert Wyatt's music. Well, I ask you, the boy said that they're going to take me to task. Just a rumor that was spread around town Somebody said that someone got filled in For saying that people get killed in The result of the ship building I mean, if someone, I mean, I've never heard anyone lay themselves bare like he does And I wanted to try and do something like that you know, that's why it's dedicated to him, because it's... I mean, you could almost hear him sing it. Confessions mm. time. But it, I actually wrote it for him to do. But then I sort of liked it myself so much that we ended up doing it. I believe it's like, almost like a follow-up to Ideas as Opiates from the first album. Now, Ideas as Opiates says, And lies spread on lies, we don't care. Belief is our relief. We don't care. Okay. Now when I say it's too late for anyone to believe, is I think that faith in something as, 
elusive as a god is wrong. Because before you know it, I, th I think it's too late to believe, for anyone to be believed, because it's, it, it's more a time for people to act nowadays, so that we can prevent anything disastrous from happening. Yeah, it's a lovely song. One of my favourite songs on the album, if not my favourite. I really don't want to, I don't want to harp, harp on about the lyrics or anything like that, but I think that they are the most potent and powerful lyrics we've ever put on to vinyl, quite simply. They're well worth listening to. I prepared to believe that Nixon wasn't a crook. I'm prepared to believe love stories a readable book. I believe that the dirty doesn't want really dirty. I believe that Lucille Ball's still under 30. Yes, I believe Joe Ford is clever. That Bob Hope will live forever. And that lever is pronounced clever. <laughs> and the best film ever made is Saturday Night Fever. No, 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 wait, wait, that's not right. No, 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 no. Try this one. Tears and fears trope with tears. And more tears. So you can definitely hear the Robert Wyatt influence on this record, and especially how Ryan tries to sound like him. I that if you thought for a moment, took your time, you would not resign yourself. Resign yourself to your fate. For the Seeds of Love tour in 89-90, Olita Adams would open the show with this. And I think that's maybe what this song needed, was that more kind of gospel-y treatment. She has got such a powerful voice and it's very effective. And I think it's the best version of this song. And I'll have more of her on the next episode. I fluctuate, so okay, I'm on medication for it, from finding this plodding and tedious to thinking it's plaintive and beautiful. Depends what, it's one of those mood songs, you've got to be in the right mood for it. It's either eminently skippable or just something to just stop, you stop and just lose yourself in. Uh, it's a, yeah, it's a mood dependent song, I think. 
and in the right mood it does hit all the right spots. As Roland stated, it is lyrically the most hurting-esque on the album, but musically, yeah. So I believe it was just B-side originally, and yeah. I heard said, it's too good, we should put it on the album. Yeah, he's right. It's one of those ones that when I listen to it, I'm like, yeah, I see why people related to this. It's, it's, uh, it's got that sort of, again, going back to the, the, the thing that a lot of albums didn't have at that time, which was hits and depth. So it's, it's my least favourite track, but I still like it. So Heart of Hearts, like, I, I can't really, I always have a bad track for each album. And I just, I just, I still like this enough to not to be the bad track. I don't think there can be a bad track on this album. No, I'm not having it on this album. No, go away, Michael. And this is another sequencing issue. This is another thing I would have changed. This is not a beginning of Side 2 song. It's a very PC ploddy way of starting a side of an album. I mean, this should have ended up at the end of side one. After all the world, you have the kind of heavy ballad. And it's something to sink in and ponder as you get up to flip the tape or the vinyl for side two. Yeah. As, as the, the, the needle hits the run out groove and on the vinyl and you're... Yeah, I get what he's saying there. And you open side two of the fanfare mother's talk. You're in, right? Not you're in. It's good, but you're you're right into the second side then, and this makes the album nigh and flawless. Except I do prefer the single version where it doesn't have the. Oh, and I prefer the single version to I believe as well. Recorded, I assume, during a sound check during the tour. This is a looser feel and does sell the song better. This is a bugbear of mine. Another one to add to the collection. Um, when they do greatest hits albums, and Tears of Fears of them is twice with this song, and they put album versions on best ofs when there's a good single version available. For years before the deluxe editions came along, the only place I could find the single version of this on a CD was a Conspiracy of Hope compilation CD. Along your Stings and your Howard Joneses. Why would you put the album version on, like they did with Tears Roll Down and Rule the World compilations, when the single version is A, better, B, rarer, and C, everyone's probably going to have the songs from the Big Chair LP that buys the album anyway. There's no reason for it. It's annoying. Oh, oh, yes, William Goldfrapp working his magic again on this track. William! Oh, it's irritating, isn't it? Hey, want to hear the most annoying sound in the world? Guys, guys, guys! Probably the saxophone that dates more than anything, more than anything to do with synthesizers or sequences or drum sound. This is the incessant use of saxophone. There'd be a one song per album limit on the use of saxophone. You get one saxophone solo per album. Now it makes sense. Huh? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah.
Broken Head of the Hills Broken was there before we started the album. That was originally a B, the B-side of uh, Pale Shelter. Uh, very ropey, basically, like a demo version. taken the song on the road and transformed it. Put into overdrive that those numbers ran into each other and worked so well. There's basically the same motif, piano motif in each number, that's why they run together. And um, it was just uh, a really good juxtaposition. Well, hello, Mr. Fancy Pants. Both broke, I mean, Broken Head of the Heels are both really about being disoriented, that's all not really quite knowing where you are. Something happens and I'm head of the heels. Um, I'm walking uphill being turned around and round, if you know what I mean. They're, 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 they're very similar images taken in slightly. Head of the heels is almost a love song. Broken certainly isn't. Broken, reworking of We Are Broken, which is a B-side, which is more of a plodding five-minute demo. And as Roland semi-pretentiously said, they put it in overdrive. Pretentious? Moi! <laughs> Seems a bit of a throwaway, but it's actually quite essential to the album. Take this away, have a side two of ballads, three in a row. This provides a bit of pep and zip to move things along. Pep and zip sounds like a kid's show. <laughs> it's the pep and zip show! I'm Zip the Ocelot. And our guest today is Roland from Tears for Fears. Hi, Roland. Oh, hi, how are you? Roland, what colour is laughter? There are things which happen to you when you're a, a child which are, you know, too painful to integrate. And uh, although we develop, we grow older ourselves, these things are inside us, are trapped in time. And it's in a sense about bringing them back up to date and bringing the past back. Back, back up to date with the present. After the whoopsie on my mango flan. A sample trope used in theme for Clarissa explains it all. kids TV show. I have no idea. It's not Rich Blighty. Um, judging by opening credits, it looks quite right. <laughs> Am I right? Am I right? No.
Head Over Heels is a love song from the big chair and the giant four-leaf clover for all mankind. Pretentious? Moi! <laughs> Head Over Heels was written just after we'd finished The Hurting. Kurt wrote half the lyrics, that's, that's where that comes from. Head Over Heels is the closest thing we got to a love song on this album, and I find it very difficult to write straightforward lyrics. So that's where he took over. He wrote most of the lyrics in the first verse. And then when they start to go a bit weird, that's me creeping in again. I think what makes it big and what makes it more than that is the recording of it. You know, once you start with that big piano motif, you're just saying, hello, this is a big song. And well, there's something also very pompous about a grand piano, you know. It's grand, you know. It's, it's a, it's a, you know, it's a big thing. You know, what, what we, we thought we we're going to put, put this figure on, you know. Da, 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 da. So you imagine it on sex? No. You know, imagine it on sort of little synthesizer going pee 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 pee. Think nope. Think octaves on a grand piano, bow down there, and so, so that's how it came about. It was just the biggest thing we could find. It was just the ending with all the la la's is kind of a hey Judesque. That's what we were trying to do. Now, what do you have against love songs, Roland? I don't know, really. I mean, I find All Meets Girl lyrics kind of really mundane. And the thing about Head Over Heels, I find it's romantic without being trite. It's got a really nice image of not knowing where you are, being confused. It's quite well represented in that song, I feel. Track 7, Head Over Heels. Imagine, just imagine, you're, you work for Phonogram and you get handed this album. Shout has just been released and is a massive hit in the UK. And you've already had another hit in the UK with Mother's Talk. Then you listen to this album and you realise you have Everybody Wants to Rule the World and Head Over Heels in Reserve to come as singles. Talk about an embarrassment of riches. You know your Christmas bonus is guaranteed in December 1985. The reverse was the case for the next album. All their eggs were in one Beatlesque basket. We'll come to that in the next episode. Playlist song, yeah, it's easy to forget. Being the little brother in the shell of two massive number one siblings. Just how massive a song this is. Such a gorgeous song. Beautiful arrangement and production. Big production. But it doesn't overpower the song, which the next album would be occasionally guilty of doing. We felt it could be like Take, uh, take Me to the River by Talking Heads, uh, feel-wise. Fabulous bass play, isn't it? It is fantastic. It's a great part. Yeah. Bass and drums together. Let's take me to the river. 
and the great bass line from Kurt. I don't know, I'm not a musician, so I, I can't gauge how technically good Kurt is as a bass player and how well he would be assessed by the musicians. But I have to say his bass lines nearly always memorable. This is a great bass line, really hypnotic and a great groove. A working has the same memories fade again on the hurting. <laughs> Really good, strong, melodic, memorable bass lines. Drums credited to Manny, but Jerry Marotta may have contributed. Um, I played on uh, Head Over Heels. Was much more. I was much friendlier with Kurt. Okay. I mean, we, we would hang out more because we would do drugs. Ah. You know, and I don't know if Roland did, but Manny and Kurt and I and where's my drum, Batman? You know, we we would hang out more. Roland, I never hung out with Roland because okay. I don't think Roland. He wasn't the kind of guy that hangs out. I've now taken up photography. So instead of strumming a guitar, I stroke my camera collection. Pretentious? Moi! <laughs> Hard to know what Manny actually played on this album. Shout. There's a drum pattern, then Chris Hughes comes in at the end, working as his drum arrangement, but Jerry Marotta played the drums. I believe doesn't really have drums. And Head Over Heels, Jerry Marotta played on that. Listen, no drums. It's basically Mother's Talk, everybody wants to rule the world and broken. And then listening to the vocals, they seem to be double-tracked vocals of Roland. And even the counter-melody sounds like Roland, too. I'm not quite sure what vocals Kurt contributes because Shout is Roland's vocals. I think he, he went over it four times. His vocals quadrupled. So I'm not sure what, what Kurt did vocally in this album outside of his two lead vocals. David Bascom, our engineer. Is there a moment on that album that you particularly felt like was a contribution you made? This is so not major. It's so inconsequential. But it uh-huh. is the, the only thing I can definitely put my finger on that was a, um, a something, which is in Head of a Heels. And it's a little kind of pizzicato string thing. It goes, dum, 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 dum. It might be in the second verse. I'm just chanting. Yes, I remember that part. My mother and my father used to whatever. And, uh, that And there's yeah, a little staccato. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That well, was you. That was... That was me and Roland. Well, not my part, but um, I was just working with Roland in the studio that time, and we just tried to come up with the sound. And I said, "What about pizza cutter strings?" And he went, "Yeah, great." Yes, so that was- <laughs> I love it. There's a bunch of sample tropes to this song. Here's a selection. Blocks and burrows, cops is plotting, snakes slither while hustlers chop they product. Foreign cars, exotic, got holes hypnotic. While I cruise through the concrete, blowing my chronic. And I move like a diplomat, hoodie and fitted caps. Dwell in the habitat where cons and killers at. Face a thousand deaths, cowards about to defeat of the almighty, a god to the black child. 187 in progress, everybody get it, everybody's a target. These niggas got me on my shit. thing in the cartridge. 187 in progress, everybody get it, everybody's a target Talk to him. This niggas got me on my shit Language to This niggas got me on my shit Language to 187 in progress, everybody get it, homie stick to All the wheels are steel, he is 
that was testimonial by Diddy. 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 Formerly Puff Daddy. Uh, Mop or MOP, they're back with 187. And we have the wonderfully titled Ugly People Be Quiet by Cash Money and Marvelous. By all registered accounts, are the Peter, Paul, and Mary of hip hop. Indeed, the hippest of hops. Well done, lads. My favourite scar by Leona Lewis. Leona Lewis. And of course, Head Over Heels had. I'm trying to think. So the only Tears of Fears video I can think of with a sense of humour. Or that showed they had a sense of humour, which they both did in interviews, especially Roland has a very dry British sense of humour. Kurt like, used to steal violins from his school, and to justify his act, I learnt to play them. Because uh, I think it's like the Ghostbusters reference with the, uh, the library and the, the cards flying in the air. <coughs> That's a big clinking. Uh, anything else? Oh, the chimp's name was Zippy. That's what I beg! I'm a fisherman! <laughs> Zippy! Oh. Yeah, so there. So we move into the reprise of Broken, and the version on the album is from the live version from 1983 at Hammersmith Apollo. And there was a preacher mix of Head Over Heels on the 12 inch. There's Roland quoting from, I believe, as a mock preacher. This mix has the studio version of the broken reprise at the end, and not the Hammersmith Apollo version. That's the only place where you can hear the studio version. segues nicely into the last track. Listen. This song is an amazing piece of work. There was an instrument originally that Ian wrote, Ian Stanley, and, and a very nice instrumental too. Listen came back during the time of the hurting. Roland and Kurt were up in London doing interviews, I think, for a few days. So I had some time spare. And I was just working at home, and one night I just started messing around with a few synths and drum machines and stuff. And did it all in a couple of days. Played everything on it. This is the demo. And I thought it was just absolutely beautiful. And then Roland put these words about those two big countries and what are they called? Russia. Russia and, and the other not, one. United Russia States and the other one. Yeah, it's, it's just a very, it's a beautiful um, instrumental with just, you know, me creeping into a bit of vocals in the middle, really. And then when we decided to do it for the album, I was very nervous about it because it was sort of my baby really it was you know no one else had much to do with that and it was very incongruous to everything else that we were doing but 
in a typical Ian, you ha we, ha we then had to recreate every sound because there was no way, even he didn't write things down, he didn't take snapshots of where the leads went. So it took forever just to recreate it. And then um, Chris went mad on the Fairlight on top of it. There came a point where it had to be recorded. It had been something he'd been working away on. And we got down to recording it for the record and we just kept adding little bits, threads of synths. Strange bits of vocal, uh, extra guitars, and it became quite an epic. This is really important to the, the album as a whole because some, a lot of the album is quite dense and intense. And even though the listen is very produced, it's still gives you a breather. There's not many vocals on it. It's really a piece of music that you can kind of, for want of sounding a little hippie-ish, kind of trip out to where you, you can just close your eyes and be sort of, you know, in the middle of music as opposed to someone talking at you. That bit about what two countries occurred as was um, Russia and what's the other one? America. <laughs> you do wonder what Roland was thinking. In Russia, that other country, America. Uh, uh, the interview was used for the double pack single, seven inch double pack. Which sounds like a euphemism for a gangbang, doesn't it? Hey guys, you over a seven inch double pack later? Hey! <laughs> this was the unedited audio that they edited down for the um, interview with Roland and Kurt track by track interview that was put on the disc on disc two of that double pack single for everybody wants to rule the world uh, I wonder why I didn't use that bit about Russia and what's the other country <laughs>
What a beautiful track this is. Listen, I say track deliberately because it's, it's not really a song. It's more of an instrumental. And I have a thing about instrumentals on LPs. I don't think they really belong. The only time you can get away with an instrumental on an album is an opening track or as a last track. So it's basically it's like an overture, like a long intro is. Like if the working out had been the first track, it'd work on, on, on that level. It's being like an overture, big opening before the album starts. Or as like the end of the album, the, the end credits, the, the end credit type au revoir to and from the album and that's kind of what this does for songs from the big chair it's it's the end credits it's the goodbye and very effective the words the words what do they mean and when it came to doing the sort of those strange backing vocals it was really um ian was just throwing these odd keenian words at me and I would sing them but I don't think they mean anything at all. Well they used to mean wrap me up a chicken tikka takeaway is all I remember but <laughs> I've been to Kenya and knew the Swahili for chicken which is cuckoo so the rest of it is nonsense it's homemade and a chicken cuckoo say chicken at cuckoo say absolute rubbish but um, if you if you sing it with enough commitment, <laughs> you get away with it. Um, so they, they all state, uh, Rowan, Kurt, Andy and Stanley, that it was just made up gibberish with some words that Ian picked up in Kenya. But if you look on um, streaming service, opposite of you and UK throat lozenges, uh, their lyrics are Spanish. They're Cumpleanos chica no heke preocupase. Cumpleaños chica, no hay que preocuparse. Thank you. Uh, which to me doesn't scam, what do you think? Cumpleaños chica, no hay que preocuparse. Cumpleaños chica, no hay que preocuparse. There's too many silly bubbles, isn't there, really? It doesn't. Uh, so I have no reason to doubt Ian and Ryland on this one. Could be, Come and have another drink of Lucasade. That would be my, my preferred choice. Other energy based drinks are available. Those Spanish lyrics translate to birthday girl, no need to worry. And if they are correct, maybe the song should have been called birthday girl. Side two, I believe. Broken, head over heels, birthday girl. They make a very different album. I love the fact that the lyrics are gobbledygook, if that is the case, because it makes the track less pompous as a result. Yeah, I just feel like if this had been on Seeds of Love, these lyrics would have had some huge, portentous, deep meaning repeated and had loads of muso crap on it, like arpeggios and probably harps and harpsichord. I love that guitar scream sound, that piercing sound, where you can, you can almost see that needle jump into the red with that bit. That's, that's a favourite bit on the, on the song. There's a playlist song and a suitably fitting ending to a great album. Listen. Come and have another drink of Lucaset.
certainly the second half of that track, the way it fades out and the album waves goodbye, uh, is for me that's quite classic, that's quite epic. So what about this album? Well, with this album and The Hurting, they're almost like mirror images and they're diametrically opposed in how they are successful. With The Hurting, you have the internalized, distilled to the essence concept, album-esque specificity of The Hurting, all brilliantly based on the one theme, the exploration of feelings and hurt from childhood, based around Yanov's primal therapy. And each song is like a chapter from that book or a diary page on that subject. So it all looks brilliantly together. Songs from the Big Chair is the opposite. It's a varied range of songs. And you couldn't get Broken and Head Over Heels motif aside a more disparate collection of songs. It shouldn't work, but it does. And that's why songs, despite what I said about The Working Hour being a good title, Songs from the Big Chair is a really great title for this album. It's an album of many moods and characters. It's schizophrenic and it shifts of tone and sound, and yet it meshes perfectly together and it's just as complete as the hurting that's why in a way it's a greater feat that it works so well because it feels like there's a lack of material being stretched to breaking point and yet they've said in interviews both Kurt and Ronan said we had seven tracks and we needed an eighth track and we had the choice of three different songs everybody was one of them we had more songs than we needed for songs in the big chair in fact we recorded seven and we were left to choose one as the last track we had the choice between three. The one we picked in the end was Everybody Wants to Rule the World. Luckily. <laughs> so, which I don't understand. Because it doesn't sound like it. I mean, what were the other two songs? I'd love to know what the other two songs were. They had three songs. They chose Everybody Wants to Rule the World. Because the other two songs clearly didn't turn out as B-sides, as we'll see. And Ian Stanley had said the opposite. We were short of songs, there was no question. Which is what it, it feels like. If you look at it, you've got Shout, six and a half minutes long. Which is fair enough. It's an epic. The Working Hour has this long intro by Ian Stanley tacked onto the front to stretch that out to six and a half minutes. But this talk has the one minute long widgee bit at the end to stretch that out to five minutes. You've got a reworked B-side. Then you've got another track with a motif from the reworked B-side you made another song out of. And you've got a seven minute instrumental that's mainly written by somebody else who's working with the band. So it doesn't sound like there's a lot of material there. And they've just stretched it to album length. And it works, and and it's amazing that it works, but it does. It doesn't sound like there's padding here. Even though clearly they've just made a little go the longest way. So I would love to know what those other two songs are. And if you know, answers on a postcard, please, to 80sography central HQ. Thank you. I think it is a era-defining album. Also, I just think that the whole, the album cover, the two of us, black and white faces, the title, and the fact that it has some cracking pop songs in it. It's just, yeah, I'm, I'm very, very happy. The Four Word Review. Timeless, defining 80s masterpiece. Playlist songs. Six. Wow, six. 
It is self-indulgence, our B-sides. I mean, they are self-indulgence. But um, I think it's a side that people, you know, should see and would be interested in because it's completely different to us working in, in a studio on, on, a, on a project. And when I say it's self-indulgence, in a way it can be a lot less self-indulgent than an album because you have to think, well, I've got to like this piece of vinyl for, you know, a year or two years, whenever, whatever. And um, the B-sides, we go in and we do in 10 hours without thinking about it because you're not worried about what the person on the street thinks about it. So um, it's a side of us that is, it's nice to see, I think. So as for further B-sides, we have for Everybody Wants to Rule the World, Pharaohs. That's P-H-A-R-A-O-H-S. I always spell that word wrong. I always get the A and the O the wrong way around. Uh, which is Everybody Wants to Rule the World is the basis of the track and then is based around a Radio 4 shipping forecast. Mentions the Faroe Islands, hence the title. So there's a certain melancholic air to it that's quite appealing. And I like the idea of a B-side as a variation or being based on the A-side. It makes it more like a companion piece than some random assigned lesser song on the flip side. So that's okay, and we have When In Love With The Blind Man, based on Ian Stanley's piano motif. It's also used for the working hour. So in an alternate reality, you could have had the working hour as the fifth single, instead of I Believe, with This Is It's companion piece, a la Rule The World and Pharaohs. And that would have worked quite well. This is probably my favourite Tears of Fears B-side and yeah, a playlist song I think. Simple, two minutes, underproduced, even non-produced, beautiful in its simplicity. I could even imagine it on the album. You could have this as a little, just a light moment before Broken, for the Broken Head Over Heels listen end section of the album. You know, also as a callback to the working hour motif, just like Head Over Heels shares on the Broken. And a Kurt vocal. Again, one of those with not many lines, so it's like, yeah, you can have it, might as well. And it's only the first verse because they both sing the second. And Sea Salt, no, Sea Song, which is the B side to I Believe. They didn't give I Believe to Robert Wyatt, so as a mayor culpa, they give him some songwriting royalties to a single that got to number 23 in the UK charts by covering this song by Robert Wyatt. And the only recorded cover that 
Kiss of Fears did in the 80s. This is quite nice. Again, simple. Partly fish, partly porpoise, partly sperm whale. There's always a bigger fish. Uh, there was also talk at the time. Kurt talked about being about to do a solo single. Uh, yeah, well, I was in these two, in the last two weeks, which we were, I was supposed to have off, <laughs> which it turns out because the single was such a big success in Europe, place like that I had to do a lot of press work, I was going to be recording a solo single. I wasn't going to pursue it in any depth as such, it was purely for fun, so that I could get out of working in the Tears for Fears format and have a good time more than anything else. I'm in a studio having to worry about answering to the name Tears for Fears. But obviously nothing happened, and I've not heard anything else about what that would have been. It would be a self-written song. And then later on in the year, before Christmas, for Christmas, I remember, I'm sure many Tears of Fears fans got this in the Christmas stocking. There was a video, Scenes from the Big Chair, which was um, a mixture of promo live, doing all the promotional stuff for the album, interspersed with interviews. I don't know, I don't know if that was the first video I ever got, but uh, that was huge. I, I watched that so many times. And another quotes backwards. Where's my drum, Batman? Yeah, yeah, especially that one. Tomorrow we're playing our 100th gig on this world tour here in sunny Seattle. And uh, we finish the tour at the end of November, which is probably before this actually goes out. But that's in about three months, two and a half months' time. And um, then we're going to take a long holiday and start writing for the new album. There's been two distinct stages in Tears for Fears history so far both albums, The Hurting, in which you could say we laid ourselves bare. We made a very fragile album, which was full of adolescent kind of emotions that most people try to forget and sweep under the carpet. With songs from the big chair, in the song Mother's Talk, it was time to put our clothes on and to face the world. Maybe we'll lay ourselves bare again, wide open, but maybe this time, revealing an incredibly hairy chest. <laughs> Pretentious? Moi! <laughs> <laughs> so that's how they left 85 looking to the future, but the album wasn't quite done yet. 1986. So, um, in February, there was the BPI Awards, as the Brits were formerly known. Brits being, of course, the UK version of the Grammys. But we don't have a best polka album category. <laughs> major failing of ours. Tears of Fears went for best album, best single and best group and they won best single. Best British single is uh, Everybody Wants to Rule the World. Tears for Fears! Well, um, firstly, I'd like to thank uh, our record company, Phonogram in Britain and Polygram Worldwide. Everyone at Outlaw, our management company, especially Paul King and Paul Crockford, who had all the confidence in us. Uh, the other two group members who go unnoticed, Ian Stanley and Manny Batman. Elias. David Bascom, our engineer. Our road crew on tour, who looked after us for nine months of last year. And last but not least, Chris Hughes, our producer who um, persuaded us to do a song that originally we had no confidence in at all. So, from a very pleasant and humble group, thank you very much. Interesting, Kurt did the speech instead of Roland. Kind of cemented that perception of Kurt as the public face of the group. And it must have been Roland's choice, again, taking the back seat. I don't think that would have happened if Seeds of Love got best album or Seeds of Love best single in 1990. 
Ivan Novello didn't go to Everybody Wants to Rule the World. It went to Nineteen by Paul Hardcastle. Which Roland um, snidely felt should have gone to them because Nineteen wasn't a written song, more of a dialogue collage. Eh. Pretentious? Moi! <laughs> yeah. April in America, the US remix of Mother's Talk. Remix strike re-recording of Mother's Talk came out and got into the top 30. They labored over the tune and eventually released both a relaxed version and a noisier dance version. Now they've done yet a third version of the song and that's the one that's becoming a US hit. It was the first thing we did on Songs from the Big Chair and it really was the thing we did before Shank and it's basically that was the thing that made us more relaxed about the rest of the album. Um, we spent about two months on that one song and about six months on the rest of the album. So, and we're still doing it. And we're, now we're doing it again. We've played it about 500 times on tour because it's the, the song we did in the sound check. a lot more exciting we wanted to put that on tears for fears new video for the new version of mother's talk is our highest debut of the week coming on at number 12 and knocking john taylor right off the countdown performance in the video they're really showing good energy there although i do prefer the original version to this i quite like this version that does have its moments but the original's a lot better to me but how weird it was that the entire campaign started in august 84 in the uk with mother's talk and then ends in the us in april 86 20 months later with the same song albeit a different version 20 months that's insane that entire campaign for this album it had three very distinctive looks in this period, especially Kurt, and this out, this this is definitely this video. This is best haircut. This is best look. This bad hair don'ts were eradicated from this point on. Sensible haircuts with our Kurt from this this point onwards. Roland took a while longer. I don't think he ever got into the the realm of the the decent haircut. Uh, I'm trying to think of what his best haircut was. June was still in 1986, and yet technically the songs of the Big Chair era still wasn't over because in June there was. Possibly the mayor culpa for not being around for Live Aid in July 85. Fuck the address, let's get the numbers. <laughs> Varying reasons why. Touring, holiday, miscommunication, resentment at assumption near performer, that being asked. So they, or rather Kurt, specifically re-recorded vocals to Everybody Wants to Live the World, changing it to Everybody Wants to Run the World for Sport Aid, the sports division of Band Aid. And this version had that horrible cheesy synth horn riff 
from the same one as the Urban Mix. in the UK charts so it's dropped out of the charts 19th of July 1986 and Mother's Talk was released in the UK 18th of August 1984 so it's one month shy of two years from first Songs from the Big Chair related single to the last it's a long time it's quite a run no wonder they're exhausted quite a run here's <laughs> run the world goes quite <laughs> oh what else in 86 well Roland did a, a session as guitarist for Rick Okasek, I can never say his name. Okasek, 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 the the skinny guy from the Cars, that that guy. You kept it going. R.I.P. Played the guitar on Emotion Emotion. This is a single from his solo album, uh, produced by Chris Hughes and Ross Cullum. So then, hence Roland being on that. Oh yes, Fish for Life, Man Crab, Man Crab. There's a side project, a song written by Roland and Ian, Ian Stanley. Maybe this is one of the three songs. Maybe it's everybody wants to rule the world. Fish for Life. Oh, fishy, 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 fish. Fish for Life. A fish, a fish, a fish, a fishy, ooh. And another one. Maybe this one, nah, I can explain it. Fish for Life, and they thought I'd use it. Ian Stanley and the vocalist was Eddie Thomas. It was one of the dancers in the Everybody Wants to Rule the World video. Everything's connected. Uh, and this was using the Karate Kid 2 soundtrack and did fuck all. Verses you can hear it as it is, fierce song. The rest of it is verse, so. <laughs> oh, fishy, 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 fish! So, sessions began for the next album during this year, but we'll get into that more in the next episode. And I think, yeah, I think that's enough for now. I think we'll finish, we'll finish with a version of Head Over Heels. 
I think it's been like um, Head Over Heels is the highlight of side two. I think it's fair to say. I uh, found a version of this on, on YouTube by a duo called Magdalena Bay. Very modern sounding poppy version. And I probably shouldn't like this, but I really like this version. It's a really good version. Done a really excellent job of making it their own. So we'll end with that. And um, yeah, and then it'll be time for the Seeds of Love, episode four to come. So uh, yeah, I, 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 I'm yeah. I'm trying. I'm trying to get through these. It's been quite a, a, a tricky time. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to work as fast as I can, but I'll have that with you sometime before. Well, if they can finally release the Seeds of Love box set, I can get through this. Yeah, I'm kind of ashamed that that's going to come out before I finish these. Uh, until until the next episode. Take care. Love one another. And a four-leaf clover to you all. Nothing ever changes when you're acting your age. Nothing gets done when you feel like a baby. I wanted to be with you alone And talk about the weather But traditions I can trace against the child in your face Won't escape my attention You keep your distance with the system of touch And gentle persuasion I'm lost in admiration, but I need you this much Oh, you're wasting my time You're just, just, just wasting time So far, previously on Tears for Fears. No, no, previously, Tears for Fears. Whoever they are. No, 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 no. <laughs> Start from the beginning. The story so far, previously Tears for Fears, whoever they are, had a huge success with the shout. No, no, no. Hmm? Had huge success with. Had huge success with no, the shout. Had huge success with. With the. No, start from the beginning. Had huge success with the shout. 
single in 1984. God, you're old. And in 1985, released the LP. What's an LP? Songs from the Big Share. That's a silly name for an LP. What's an LP? We had a side on the last show. <laughs> we had side one in the last show. show. And so, now, no, no, when I say it to you, you've got to start from the beginning. And now it's... No, 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 no. We had a side... No, we had side one, not we, we had, had a... We had side one in the last show, and now it's time for a side two. Why does it have sides? Dad, can I go and watch Breaking Dad? <laughs> Breaking Dad. <laughs> right, let's try again. The story so far... Pause. <laughs> no, don't say pause. <laughs> don't say pause. Just do the pause and you're... Oh my! <laughs> I can't try again. The story so far, previously on Tears for Fears. No, Fe- not previously on Tears for Fears. It's oh. previously Tears for Fears. Previously, Tears for Fears, who whoever they are, had a huge success with the Shout single in 1984. God, you're old. Can you just say, uh, "God, you're old." God, you're old. God, you're old. Not God, you're old. God, you're old. God, you're old. Perfect. Listen back. Everything is really great, and have a nice day, won't you? Pretentious? Moi! <laughs> <laughs>